Welcome to Work in Progress, The Matrix Podcast. Blending talent, supplier, and employer perspectives, this is not your typical work podcast. This is a platform to explore the future of work through a new lens, in a world where businesses and people are always striving to adapt and progress. On this episode, host Roger Clements tackles the critical gap between education and employment readiness and asks how can we help create the job-ready generation. Joined by some of the industry's finest minds, star of BBC Apprentice, founder of Bright Ideas Trust and National Interview Week Ambassador, Tim Campbell, MBE. Vice Chair of the Institute of Student Employers and Head of Talent Acquisition for Amazon EMEA, Kath Possumai. And Matrix's very own CEO and renowned purpose-driven business leader, Mark Inskip. They come together to provide three key perspectives from across the employment marketplace. Challenging us to ask ourselves the question, are we really doing enough to create pathways to employability for our young people? Let's find out. This is Work in Progress, the Matrix podcast. Welcome to the podcast. Really delighted to welcome three guests with me today, Kath, Tim and Mark. Today we are going to be talking and tackling the subject of the gap between education and careers. Um, in my opinion, this is a topic that has probably of all the topics we cover on this show, has the most prevalence and the most societal impact. There were some recent um, stats that I was reading by our partner, Your Game Plan, who, who showed that there's about 40% of students in the UK have reported that they do not take part in any career-related activities. 46% of those students also feel don't feel confident about their next steps in the workplace. Mm. And then furthermore, if you look, then look at the education establishments themselves and look at the, the teachers themselves, I think 32% was a data point that I, that I was reading, saying that there is a, they report underfunding and their ability to actually deliver appropriate career training to students. And then if you then look at that even further, they're saying that only 6% of private schools are reporting the same issue. Yeah. So I guess what, what I'm really keen to cover, and maybe I'll come to you first, Tim, is if we're framing the problem of the gap between education and careers, mm. what, what exactly do we mean by that? And how are you seeing that in, in, in the work that you're doing in, in, in the market and, and working with young individuals? How are you seeing that issue? Well, I, I agree totally. I think there is a huge gap between education and employment, and it's one that we should be doing as much as we possibly can to bridge. There should be a symbiotic relationship between education and employment. But unfortunately... I don't see enough employers engaging with education because you hear the same old uh, rote response, it's really difficult to engage with school, it's so hard to find the right person in environments. But at the same time, there's a whole critique around the lack of skills individuals have when they come into the workforce. We've all been there in interview panels and you're sitting at somebody with a fantastic uh, chat GPT for written CV now <laughs> where somebody then can't even articulate a sentence. And the difficulty between the two should mean that the two should work closer together because they both benefit. So you've got schools who are measured by next steps for individuals. Where do they go on in terms of do they go into further or higher education mm -hmm. or in into the world of work and now we've got so many different opportunities with apprenticeships t-levels yes. and straight into employment yeah. and then you've got employers who are desperately trying to reduce the costs around marketing for talent so where the advertising budgets are always one that hrds are always looking at but also more importantly i think from a hr cpo uh, perspective you're thinking about What's the attrition rate for the talent that I take on? Because if I pay for you to start, I want you to stay very long because yeah. otherwise I have to go back and do the yeah. whole thing again, yeah, yeah. right? Yeah. So my, my big issue is that 
where both of these parties are having problems, they should be talking closer together. So whether we get more people from within education sitting on um, governor boards, so I'm yeah. really fortunate that I'm a governor of the same school that I grew up and, and got all my GCSEs from, which is really interesting because they kicked me out of school and now they invite me back. <laughs> There's a whole story in there, right? Yeah. But then I'm also, I sit and work alongside a number of different talent organisations as well as recruiting ourselves. Yeah. And I'm desperate to want to give the next generation the opportunity to come into work. But at the same time, I'm looking for advocates and ambassadors who are going to represent my brand in the best possible way. So I want the best from that marketplace. Yeah. So I think it's not about lowering standards. Mm -hmm. We should be encouraging everybody to step up. Don't yeah. you think that's okay? Completely. I completely, I, mean, I completely agree. I think one of the challenges is the complexity mm. of the picture and the multiple, multiple priorities that both employers and education institutions are dealing with. Mm -hmm. Roger's touched on the funding issue. You know, if you're a school, you generally hardly any of them actually have designated 100% of my job is being a careers teacher, if any. You know, they are all doing it on the side of their desks. They might get a couple of free periods a week to try and nail careers provision for 2,000 kids. Yep. Mm -hmm. So funding is difficult. Conflicting priorities is difficult. Employers definitely want to help but and you touched on it navigating the how is the challenging piece um, and I think it then gets left to kind of other institutions so I'm a vice chair of the Institute of Student Employers yes. um, you know, and there are lots of charity institutions NGOs who are trying to kind of bridge that gap which means it becomes a more and more confused complex marketplace mm, yeah. and navigating how we do that in a in a way which is easy Mm. For education institutions and for the employers, I think is a real challenge and, and one which would probably warrant more time and attention from government, uh, you know, as well as the education and uh, education providers and, and employers. Mm. Um, and, you know, apprenticeships are brilliant. But yes. That's such a complex picture, mm -hmm. yes. such a complex landscape for both employers mm. and, you know, education institutions to try and navigate all of the options that are out there, mm. promote them effectively, help students understand them. Yeah, and employers, you know, what... Uh, in the ISE, one of the big challenges we're wrestling with is how do we act as the kind of interpreter yes. um, and share with employers what best practice looks like and how they can really take advantage of actually the funding that's available mm. um, and the access to really, really great talent that doesn't necessarily have to go to university. But you know, it's a very complex picture would be mine. For me, there's a, there's a really big topic around sort of the career de uh, sort of destinations and how and how our young people coming out of the education system view the options that are available to them. A, a are apprenticeships really truly understood by schools and the students going going through them? First of all, do schools understand them enough to be able to then articulate mm -hmm. it to, to its students? But also, is it complexity around the funding that, you, that where you think the, the challenges are, or is it complexity around sort of just navigating the sheer options available to, to students coming through? All, all of the above, I think. Yeah. yeah, partly the case. I think it depends on how you you view the scenario, and I'm I'm all for taking a positive mindset to some of those challenges. It's, mm -hmm. it's never going to be easy. Talent uh, attraction is never easy in general, right? Mm. So, but we do it because we have to, we need yeah. to. So we've kind of got to have an attitude which says, okay, if these are some of the problems, navigating the funding, uh, because if you're a levy payer, you want to make sure that you can yeah. get as much return on that as possible. Um, if there's a plethora of opportunities as a student, how do we get to find the right one for that individual based on their skills, their aptitude and their passion, yes. and more importantly, their purpose now, because we're all talking at the other end of our career politely for all of us, yes. right? Yeah. But yeah. we're thinking about what we, we, the, the opportunity cost for our time is really valuable yeah. why can't we have that conversation with young people earlier when mm. there are so many different opportunities for them which i think is a good thing right yes. because 
growing up in a time when I was dictated to by my mum that you were going to university. Yeah. There was no other option. That was it. Uh-huh. You were going yeah. to university. Uh-huh. And it wasn't the best thing for me. I navigated it. I did it. But I, I, I always was quite action-orientated. Mm. How many other individuals are forced through a sausage machine of an educational system that we have, mm. which is quite antiquated given the the massive leaps and bounds the workforce has, has seen in the last 10 years, let alone the last 20-odd from when I was last at school, right? And with technology, artificial intelligence, all these other aspects impacting our day-to-day work. And we've still got kids sitting, rote learning how to uh, navigate the French Revolution, right? Yes, so so yes, it's yeah. incredibly frustrating. Yeah. But I think rather than just talking about those negatives, because we know what they all are, what are we doing about it? So for me, I'm working with loads of employers who are actively going into schools to support those teachers who are stressed mm-hmm. because there is a an incentive to do that because if you are engaged with education and you get your brand in front of those young students in early enough stage, there's a great opportunity when they see it later in a recruitment cycle, they'll think, aha, they gave me something, I'll give them something back. Yeah. Apprenticeships are a huge opportunity for employers because when we've seen the lack of attrition from those who come on and successfully navigate their apprenticeships, they stay longer, yeah. they do more work. So that mm-hmm. there's an incentive for employers. But there's also a need for us to support two other groups that don't get talked about. The teachers themselves, because you beautifully articulate how with lack of resources off the side of the desk, somebody who's given the Gatsby benchmarks and their responsibility to to look after everything with no additional money and everything else. And we're not talking about the lack of provision around SEND and everything else. We need to find a way to support those teachers to understand a uh, a broadening horizon of opportunities that they may never have seen since they were last in the recruitment yeah. cycle. Yeah. So we're recruiting now for jobs that didn't exist 10 years yeah. ago, right? Yeah. Yeah. And we're expecting these teachers who have gone through mm. their expertise yeah. to become teachers to know everything. It's not going to happen. Yeah. The group that's often navigated is parents. Mm. Because I know my mum was influenced by telling Johnny and Jennifer next door what Tim was going on to do afterwards. If we can get the information to those parents to influence their little Johnny and Jennifer's mm. about the opportunities as well, I think that's a very very important thing because we can do all we want in the school to say you should be going and doing this apprenticeship but if you're a parent who understands school meaning degree and then you can tell everybody else my Johnny and Jennifer's going to this Russell Group institution and studying this stuff at the school gates when everybody gets their results yeah we've all been there right we have to arm them better Mm. by saying well actually if your little Johnny and Jennifer has a great skill and a great passion and purpose in this particular industry you might find it better to take a T-level or an apprenticeship or whatever it might be to get them to their end destination because at the moment it's just about the means that we talk about and there is still and we've got better I think we've we've come a long way in the last five to ten years around apprenticeships Mm. but there is still that stigma of you know an apprenticeship is seen by many particularly I suppose, parents, because of where they were, their own education journey, that a degree is superior to apprenticeship. And it just isn't necessarily in so many ways. It's right for some people and it's, you know, apprenticeships are by far a better route for, for others. Or yeah, just to go yeah, straight to work. I, I think it's interesting. Actually. I mean, I, I, I agree, right, that, you know, we, we uh, I grew up in a similar thing. Well, you're, of course you're going to university, right? Yeah, <laughs> You know, um, and, uh, you know, and, and I think there's still some of the, you know, the, the stigma attached around apprenticeship, the, the, the youth training scheme, the YTS stuff that used to be all yes. those years ago, right? And, yeah, yeah, right, yeah, but all that stuff. But I think, I think the, for me, though, I think it's interesting when we you talk to him about, you know, the employers and engaging with the kids because actually I think there's a, I think there's a shift of emphasis happened mm. it used to my recollection might just be old right remembering things badly 
but I'm sure there was more there was more balance at school, right? And you certainly started. Everybody I knew when I grew up, when I was I got my first job at thirteen, a washer upper. Actually, almost nobody now will employ a, a, a school kid below great sixteen, point. Point. right? Yeah. So they've got yeah. they've got it's all about yeah. exams, and then all point. of a sudden mm. a switch happens, and you've got to think, well, what job do you want? Yeah. 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 Well, well, well I've, how have I got any experience of the work environment, yeah. the va- the the value of money, yeah. you know, you know, all of those things, right? And then suddenly expect you to make these big decisions about well. And so I think there's, you know, there's this education awareness piece to help people understand and what the options are. Yes. Um, and I think that's a big gap for, for kids. My kids have just finished A-levels, right? So, you know, we've gone through that process. And as part of that process, the school actually held like careers evenings, mm. right? Where people would go and mm. talk to students. And I talk about my, most of my career is actually in marketing and media, right? So I talk about what we do. You know, and some of the questions you get asked by the kids, they just clearly haven't got a clue mm. What, that means. what it means, yes. yeah. you know, and so how on earth are they supposed to make the right decision for them? Whether it whatever the path is, mm-hmm. if they actually don't have a clue what work is, what work is. <laughs> and the other thing, which I think is an interesting one, is which is becoming more and more important, is this idea of a career or a notion that you choose a job. Mm. And the reality is, yeah. most of the you know most kids and most of us even are going to be doing many different jobs over the course of our career, mm. um, and the pace of change makes that more and more. Likely. Yep. And it's going to manifest much, much more in the next 20, 30, 40 years. Mm. So them understanding that actually you might do something in your 20s, you might do something else in your thir- you know, in your 30s, and that's fine. And there is a real imperative to come into the world of work with an attitude that you are going to keep learning. Yes. Mm. And the yeah. best skills you can have are agility, openness to change. Yeah. Yeah. Creativity. Uh, cre- yeah. yeah, and all of those things that actually have, uh, you know, <clears throat> and, and I hate the fact they get called soft skills oh, yes. because they are not soft skills they're critical and that's the stuff skills. that that's you know that's not being yeah. taught and it's, it's yeah. difficult to teach yeah. you know and it shouldn't only be the responsibility of the schools you know there's a wider yeah. responsibility but yeah. Yeah. you and I were talking yeah. yesterday actually about somebody that we work with right who's brilliant bright and talented and all these things right mm. but there's a challenge challenge right is is you know and, and i think it's actually across a lot of the business you know i run right is is that the, the younger people in particular don't ask two really simple questions enough w- wow. why is that yeah and so what yeah. <laughs> right? Oh, yeah. those four words right why is that and it, you know but i think and it's soft skills but it's actually for me that's the that's the difference between um the the it, it's a it's quite an interesting measure of kind of of, of work maturity yeah just, but I think if if you reflect back then and they're just pushed through the sausage machine yeah they don't have to they're not don't ask questions just just go through the sausage yes. machine yeah, right? yeah, yeah. and they're all of a sudden they come to a work a work environment where all I want them to do is ask questions and be curious yeah. and we don't teach that soft skill yeah. but I think that, right? that's why we're so focused with your game plan around national interview week because I think it falls back to your beautiful point around if you don't have the experience how can you deliver yeah. what's being yes. expected right so at no time is was I ever told how to conduct an interview or what the interview process was going to be like and the fear and lack of performance was directly linked to the lack of education and training in that yeah. particular yeah. discipline. Because when you think about the power dynamics of an interview, to teach somebody that it's an equal pathway because you're bringing yeah. something to the table, yeah. they're expecting yeah. you, they want you to be amazing mm-hmm. because then it's yes. helpful for them. Right? Yes. But no one ever tells you that. Yeah. Yeah. Everyone's like, oh my gosh, make sure your shirt's ironed, make sure you've got your, all your answers ready, and make sure you've got the follow-up questions ready. Yeah. God, I hope this interview's going to be terrible. I hope this candidate's rubbish. But it plays to that whole point is 
that we now have to be challenging the education sector to provide the skills that we need as employers, because otherwise, what's the point of it? And I think there's a bigger conversation about the the lack of direction that we've got from our political leaders, the amount of education ministers that we have that just flip-flop in and out and then nothing really changes, the grenade that's thrown in that we've spent all this time delivering another potential uh, pathway around T-levels and then now they said, that's not going to happen. Yeah. We've got a general election that's going to come up and it made them yeah. completely revert all of that stuff. And all the while, you've got pupils who are saying, there, what do I need to do? Mm-hmm. Just what do I need to do mm-hmm. to be an active actor in society? And you've told me that part of my responsibility is to get through this education system and then I'll be okay at the other end. And that contract is really important, I think. And for us as employers, mm-hmm. I think we should be using our soft power to influence that education policy, yeah. to say what we actually demand from our schools with the supportive nature that we are there to help yes. because yeah. we are going to be recipients. I don't want to mm-hmm. beat up teachers saying you should do more because teachers work bloody hard, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. They work exactly. really hard. Yeah. But yeah. at the same time, we as employers... We are the recipients of a great education system. So we should be challenging what we get, right? Or what we're expecting. I'm interested in your perspective from from the ISE perspective there, Kath, in terms of, because I know we had a conversation recently around um, the role employers should play in the education system itself. Should we be moving to a model where we are influencing government and the education policy and influencing employers to say, actually, should state schools have employer representation on their governing bodies, for example, to be the people that have the voice to the students. How can employers better engage with with the school system? And know that you, you've got a particular passion around sort of, you know, whether it's universities or schools, Kath, it's, it's coming in and actually talking about what, what are careers and, and actually being proactive in that in that approach. Yeah, and I think, you know, I, I'm sorry, essentially, no one, I've never been asked to come and Yes. do a guest lecture or a guest I'd happily do it yeah. and I'm sure nearly every <laughs> all of my peers would say exactly the same but I recognise it, it. finding a mechanism to make that easy and encouraging universities mm-hmm. colleges schools to to I mean and there are you know there are mechanisms there's speakers for schools that's yeah. you know that's a great platform but it's just not well known enough there's not broad enough engagement with it so you know and, and you're right I think the ISE could have a role to play in trying to and we, we do try in in trying to derive that further and create those links demystify you know that and and try and bridge that gap between educational institutions um, and employers but there's just always more we can do and I think trying to find a more structured way and I don't know what that is but that's you know that's the wicked problem that we could do with help across the uh across all of the settings to try and liaise, liaise more closely I mean Employers on governing bodies, they probably are. Pro- every school probably has an employer yeah. of some kind on the governing body, just yeah. by the nature of the people who get involved. Yeah, exactly. But so maybe that's not the answer. But mm. but yeah, I mean, yeah, I, think, yeah. I think it's part of the answer because I think with regards to the the mechanism, we fortunately have a Gatsby framework which says that you need to engage employers with employ uh, students with employers and employment opportunities. So. There is an incentive from the schools to meet their Gatsby benchmarks where they need help. So we can go there. It's identifying the person. Have they got yeah. the time? Because as you rightly said, yeah. it's off the side of the day. But there is a mechanism there, right? So if we're in that positive mindset, we can help already sometimes struggling individuals who have a multitude of responsibilities to meet some of their Gatsby benchmarks. So there is an open door there. The additional thing for me, though, is that we've got to be able to say what's in it for us because our time is also precious and we want a return on that investment, right? Mm -hmm. So sometimes it's harder 
to say, how can you justify having a conversation with a primary school or a state school if you're recruiting for this particular skill set, yeah. right? So that is sometimes hard, but it has to be a broader conversation with we're saying, listen, unless we start this conversation early enough, uh, like what we do with internships and other things, and we yeah. see the pathway through because that benefits us later, we have to say that we're just investing to start an almost avalanche approach to this engagement with education because otherwise nothing gets done because everybody sits there and say it's too difficult, it's too hard, what's and the return for it? I mean, Rolls-Royce are a great example of a company Huge. that do really great work yeah, really early on massive in terms of showcasing the careers that are available and yeah. you've got to get in there early. When I was working in the British Army, we mm. careers provision, the... One of the things that we've done that worked really well is kind of going, okay, how can we, we want to highlight the, you know, it's not just guns and bombs and bullets in the army. There are yeah. multi, 76 different trades Huge. you can do in the army. Um, and trying to get that message to school kids, um, we were like, well, how do we help the teachers? And, and there's, a, you know, there's a great uh, website, which is the British Army Supporting Education, mm -hmm. and it's full of lesson plans. Mm -hmm. you know? So if you are a teacher, when it comes to Black History Month and you mm -hmm. want a lesson plan, and you're a history teacher, Bam. there's a whole load of stuff there about yeah, that, that yeah, topic. Is that, is that well, do you think that's well understood across the schools at that, that? No, not well enough. I mean, we, we, tried, we tried to publish it and we tried mm. to promote it. Mm. But, um, but yeah, it's, again, it's, yeah. It's, it's funding. It's a funding issue. Yeah, you know, there's only yeah. so much more funding we could, we could to, put to yeah. promoting that. But I think that is part, part, that is part of the challenge. Right? There, are, there are tons of things out there, mm. right? uh, options. Right? And to your, mm. to, 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 how, how does a teacher find the time to choose, let alone find yeah, yeah. the time to yeah. find to what's out there, right? Yeah, yeah. Part of what we do is we, you know, we provide workers into schools, establishments, all sorts of stuff. But actually schools is one of the most difficult ones because it's so fragmented. There isn't a body no. that... Yeah. Own, you know, it's not like you can go to, you know, like at least at least where you've got NHS, right? They, you know, they 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 tend to group together, right? Trust, in terms of into the different trusts, and you've yeah, got yes. more, you've got yeah. much yeah. much fewer simpler buying points, points yeah, right? Yeah, so yeah. you've got a chance. Mm. You've almost got to do it on a school by school level, which can be um, difficult. Which, you do have, like, for example, National Association of Head Teachers. You have um, the academy groups that, yeah, that come together, yeah. and I think what we did, what we found worked really well with some employers, is that we looked at where some of their hubs were and then drew radius around, a five-mile radius around where they are, and you can then pick those schools. Yeah. Because I think the, the the ripple effect of just starting is, is yeah. really important because, once again, we can build up the obstacles and challenges, but actually just starting, just engaging, and linking it to some of our strategic objectives is where it, it has to start because otherwise it won't get yeah. done because there's no, there's no point. Hole, right? You can't eat elephant <laughs> holes. Exactly, exactly. Listen to part two of this episode of Work in Progress, The Matrix podcast now.